10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Suffolk, this is The Late Show with Libby Isaac. Good evening, and it's Tuesday the 19th of October, it's 8pm. Tonight I have Professor Christian Nuremberg and Dr Keith Watson, and we are talking coaching in education. What does this look like for staff, the impact, the characteristics of it? Tune in, talk it out, grab a cuppa, settle down, let's talk coaching. Live from Suffolk. This is The Late Show with Libby Isaac on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in this evening on this wonderful Tuesday evening and for giving up your night coming to listen to us. And we are, as I've just mentioned in the introduction, talking about coaching. I'm very lucky this evening to be joined by two amazing experts on the topic, um, Professor Christian um, Van Nuremberg, followed by Dr. Keith Watson. So, so much knowledge on one show. So I'm really, really looking forward forward to introducing those guests to you. Um, I absolutely hope you've had a fantastic week. Um, I don't know what you've been doing. Hopefully you're on a, well you're not on your last legs, but hopefully you are, you know, you're working your way to that half term, that amazing break that you get before before the big run up, I suppose, to Christmas. It's definitely the hardest one because the clocks are going to, you know, turn back soon. It's all getting dark. Um, and we all know how difficult schools have been at this point. Um, A few shows ago, I actually spoke a little bit um, about my experience of pumpkin carving last year and how I absolutely thought I'd be blooming marvellous at it and how insanely enviously jealous I was of my brother-in-law, who was fantastic at it, and I was unbelievably crap at it. However, this year, I went out and brought some pumpkin carving tools, not going to lie, absolutely brilliant it's changed it's changed my world absolutely brilliant um and uh my husband and i have really got into it this year and we have five pumpkins on the go so you know anybody wants any tips about that please just give me a tweet i'm very happy to share no on another note very proud of myself for doing it and i'm sure my husband is too um so tonight's show absolutely all about coaching. And um, if anybody wants to text in any questions they have about coaching, any questions they have about, you know, anything to do with the topic that they want to ask our two experts this evening, then we absolutely want to hear from you. Um, someone's just texting saying, I want to ask you a question about a situation at school. Fire away, go for it. Um, and I'll do my very best to, to answer it if, if I can. Um, and if it's to do with coaching, perhaps we'll wait and hear from Christian and Keith a little bit later. So there has been, well, in my opinion, a huge growth in coaching within the education setting over at least the last 10 years. But in particular, I think the last three years, I think more so than ever, 
because perhaps of the pandemic, um, because of new frameworks that have been introduced, like your new ECT framework, where, you know, it's driven by mentors through a a, a coaching mentality. And perhaps even now we've got all these fully funded new MPQs um, out as well. So it seems to be like a real hot topic in education. Um, If you had to define it, it's a conversational activity that aims to support people to learn and develop. Um, I think it's a very reflective practice as well. Um, I think in education itself, it's defined as a one-to-one conversation focused on the enhancement of learning and development through increasing self-awareness and a sense of personal responsibility, where the coach facilitates the self-directed learning of the coachee through questioning, active listening and appropriate challenge in a supportive and encouraging climate. Now, that's actually a definition itself from Christian, who hopefully we're going to be speaking to at about quarter past eight this evening. Um, so there is, there is, I think, a lot to learn about it. And I wanted to do a show around coaching, not only because I've got these wonderful, wonderful guests to come and talk to you this evening, but when I was a head of school, um, I say that as, you know, as if I have, I've had my career, I absolutely haven't, I'll explain why in a second. Um, but I, when I was a head of school, I, I coached a number of staff and I was guided to coach a number of staff by my line manager. And I didn't think I did a very good job and I don't know whether that was because I, you know, I was completely submerged in the operational day-to-day running of the school. So when it came to that, those coaching conversations, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, I didn't have enough time to sit with them properly or, you know, things got pushed in front of it. And I don't think that's what coaching should be about, but it definitely opened my eyes and I absolutely wanted to create a coaching culture within the school that that I was running um, and I wanted to get better at it. Now I um, obviously went away and had many many children and I've had two um, and I've gone back to education on a point six and one of the things that I get asked to do by the different head teachers in the schools that I work in is to coach different members of staff, um, which you know, I feel honoured to be asked to, to coach members of staff. But again, I, I just don't know if what I'm doing is any good. Um, you know, I, I do get quite positive feedback, but I very selfishly want to do a show because I absolutely want to upskill myself in something that I think is a real, real relevant part of education today. Um, and I wanted to find out things about are there common characteristics for a coach? Um, you know, are there good characteristics? Are there bad characteristics? Um, are there any like common set frameworks that people use? Because I don't use a framework. Um, I mean, I do a lot of reading and research around it and I implement what I, I consider to be, you know, a good coaching conversation. Um, I want to know what the barriers are to it. I want to know about the research behind it. And I really want to know about the impact. How do you record a coaching session? So when a head teacher comes up to me and says, right, uh, what's the impact of your coaching? Like, um, talk to me about, you know, the impact you're having with this individual. Um, And obviously, I can I can respond with the normal things, but I just wanted to know if there was anything else out there that um, my two experts, Christian and Keith, can can talk talk me through as well. Um, and I I want to develop my own skill set, and I think a coaching culture in a school um, 
is definitely only going to be a good thing. So whether you are a mentor of an ECT, whether you are somebody that has been asked to coach another member of staff because of teaching and learning, whether you are coaching because of leadership skill or anything at all, pastorally, um, this is the show for you. And I think um, it's going to be such a fantastic listen this evening because it's such a prominent thing at the moment. Uh, We're just going to hear from the news. And when we come back, um, I just want to find out a little bit more from you, if you're listening, that'd be great, about any any uh, good experiences that you've had with an individual in your career that has had a, a really positive um, impact on you. So I'll share some of the ones that I've had as well. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Catherine Lady Berkeley's school in Walton under Edge, Gloucestershire, has made the decision to return to remote learning for some pupils. The decision has been made as a result of 58 pupils and 15 members of staff currently being at home due to COVID-19. Head teacher Tim Rand has written a letter to parents explaining the situation. He stated, Supply teachers are proving difficult to source and we need to make plans for current and possibly increased levels of staff absence. I have been in discussion with the local authority and we have agreed to put in place the following plan from Monday. In order to staff lessons and maintain safe levels of supervision, we are having to introduce some remote learning from Monday. By having year groups at home, we can use teachers of those classes to cover for absent staff. We are trying to minimise the impact on student learning, so are hoping to keep it to one day out per year group, other than years 11 and 13, who will continue with lessons as normal. Mr Rand added that measures will be reviewed early in the week. STV News has reported that school children in Midlothian still appear to be being given cash to buy their own packed lunches from the local authority, instead of providing hot school meals. Councillor Kelly Parry has voiced her concerns and has written to Education Secretary Leslie Ann Somerville asking for advice. She states, I have been contacted by so many families who are concerned about the lack of hot school meals being provided to their children. It is so difficult and stressful for many parents, some of whom are working two jobs, to find the food items they need to make sure their children have a proper lunch. The supermarket shelves are not well stocked at the moment and costs are rising, making it hard to shop for items. I would go as far as to say it's a breach of children's human rights and a national scandal that Midlodian is not providing balanced and nutritious meals in the way other local authorities are doing. 
Midlothian Council's Executive Director, Kevin Anderson, said that plans were in place to reintroduce a hot meal option in October, but said it is restricted to a large extent by the school estate and social distancing. There are some restrictions that we still want to apply. This has been your daily education news briefing. Excellent. Um, so, as, I, as it's just been tweeted, I love watching the live tweets as they go out. Very selfishly, I'm doing a show tonight about coaching because I want to upskill myself. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been asked to do it. Um, and it's not as if that, that word coach hasn't been part of my vocabulary since, obviously, I started to be a fluent reader. But I think coaching in education is definitely something that was introduced to, to me quite new in the last, I'd say, about five years for me anyway. Um, so it got me thinking about who had a really positive impact on me as a teacher when I when I was, you know, working my my way through um, when I started in the classroom. And I think I didn't have a coach, so to speak, but I had a lot of people who left an impact on me. And one of them definitely who who would be in my opinion absolutely fantastic coach for people within education um was my godmother and she actually got me into teaching i was uh, sat at home <laughs> with my parents um i think i was about 25 um obviously my professional snowboarding career had failed um so they they were like what are you going to do libby um, so I was like, oh, I'm just quite happy sat here, really. Um, and my godmother was around for a cup of tea and said, right, you're coming in to work with me. And she worked in a in the secondary school um, in Hemel Hempstead. Um, it was quite a rough secondary school. So I thought, oh, all right, whatever, I'll go in. Um, and I just did some volunteering. And she just, she just took me under her wing. I mean, obviously, she's my godmother. So there's quite a personal relationship there anyway. But when it came to education, she she's just so good at it and everybody would go to her for advice for tips in the classroom and apart from the fact she was unbelievably inspirational as a drama English teacher anyway um she would make you feel good about your practice but give you really um viable tips on what to do to improve and so if I had to think back about somebody who had that positive impact for me it absolutely would be her um closely followed by um Hugh Gleave, who um, who um, was my history, I suppose, mentor. He was the only other history teacher in the school at the time. It's quite a small school, and um, and he he would just talk history to me. And I mean, I loved I loved teaching history, but my knowledge of history. I mean, I did ancient history and classics at university, but my um, Nazi Germany predominantly for A levels is all I could remember anyway. Um, a bit of Gladstone and Disraeli in there too. But he he just he taught me history basically. He taught me about the Industrial Revolution. He he upskilled me through coaching, and he also built my confidence within the classroom. You know, he saw me crying um, when a whole class barred at me like farm animals for a whole hour when I was training to be a teacher. No idea why they did that. Um, but, you know, didn't didn't take me down. Look at me now. Um, and he just built me up. And actually, he definitely would 
be a coach, but that language perhaps didn't exist um, when I was training. So it's a really interesting thing, this idea of a coach and what it means to be a coach. And we're going to be discussing that obviously this evening. And I've got so many questions for both of our guests. And Christian is on the line as we speak. He's just muted at the moment. Um, I'm going to play an advert and then I'm going to bring him into the conversation because I know that we have so much to discuss this evening and I'm very aware that they're the absolute experts so I want to get as many of my questions in for them but absolutely anybody listening live please 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 text in your questions too like these are complete experts Christian and Keith know their know their stuff when it comes to coaching and a lot more when it comes to education so please ask them take the opportunity to ask those questions. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Brilliant. Um, so many useful links and resources there that obviously sponsor the TT Radio as well. So obviously, please, please, please get in touch with them if ever you need um, anything to aid your teaching. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to bring uh, Christian into the conversation. Good evening, Christian. Good evening. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Libby. Hello, lovely. We can hear you loud and clear. Thank you so much for giving up your evening and coming on the show. It's a real pleasure and an honour. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Oh, not, not at all. And um, I was uh, speaking just uh, on email to Keith, our other guest, this afternoon, and he says that he was on one of your courses last week as well. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's one of the best things about what we do is um, uh, the connections we have with others. It's a, still a pretty small community. And, you know, the pleasure of working with, uh, other people who are passionate about coaching is they tend to be generous, thoughtful, you know, engaging people. So, yeah, um, uh, it's great that you've got Keith on the program as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, he did. He, he, he said to me to ask you about your birds. 
<laughs> I, t- I took I took a little bit of a gamble there because I have no idea what that means. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad uh, <laughs> I have a, an appropriate answer for this, which oh, is, good. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, one of uh, one of the things I think and write about is positive psychology and and well being, and uh, we've all been through the pandemic. And one of the, the, the huge challenges for me in working from home is I get bored easily. And uh, so I got myself some birds. I got some zebra finches. I thought, well, let me see how this is going to go. I, I bought myself uh, just two zebra finches initially. And uh, at the pet shop, I said, um, uh, I, I don't want to have, you know, lots of birds. So could I ha- just have two female birds, please? So brought them home, really enjoyed having them around. They're chirping, they're, you know, I'm talking to them and all of this. And then, like three, four days later, I go to the cage, and uh, there are uh, two uh, little eggs in, uh, yeah, in the cage. And I'm like, oh my goodness! So I storm back. Uh, you know, as a coach, we don't storm very well, but maybe storm isn't the right word. So I went back uh, assertively to the, <laughs> to the pet shop, and I said, you know, I, I specifically asked for two female uh, birds. I've seen that there's eggs in there today, and uh, she's very kind. And she said, well, these birds, they lay eggs anyway. It's just that they're not fertilized. And uh, so at that moment, you know, seeing these two birds, they seemed so keen to, you know, have chicks and all of this. I just felt really bad, and therefore I bought a male bird, and I brought that male bird back with me. And and the fun part of the story is that they got I got to sixteen birds. Oh uh, my goodness! Yeah, and uh, it's just such a lovely thing to watch. Honestly, just uh, awe inspiring to watch. You know, birds and the miracle of how they learn. And I was looking at them and I'm thinking, who's teaching them? And just watching these tiny little birds take a leap. They literally jump out of the nest at one point, and I guess they're just hoping their wings are going to work. Anyway, the, the short just, version of this is I've, uh, I've been selling uh, birds back to the pet shop now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you read the, the, the Disney film Rio and your, uh, and your house with just all these exotic oh, birds everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's really wonderful to have them. They're, they're lovely companions. Oh, lovely! No, really nice story, and and I'm glad that the uh, the the risk of the story worked out well for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, can you just introduce yourself to the listeners uh, a little bit about your background and where you are now, sort of with coaching? Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm. I think I'm pretty international in my background. So, I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was Japanese. My father was Belgian. And I've um, I now live in in England, beautiful part of England in Warwickshire. So I've got quite an international background. Um, and um, you know, my my father was a teacher, and I've always been incredibly passionate about education and educators. And Libby, hearing you talk about the people who inspired you, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in uh, educators mm. who. Uh, build people up, educators who see potential in others, uh, educators who can really excite, inspire, and motivate others. So um, 
you know, ever since I moved to the UK in 1997, I've been working in the education sector initially and then moved from education into uh, coaching, specifically in the education sector. So I've been doing research into coaching and education. I've written some books. Uh, I love being in schools. I've worked directly with educators and students, setting up coaching initiatives, talking about coaching cultures. So uh, right now, I, I, I do think I have uh, the dream job, which is uh, working with educators just to think about how do we help both educators and learners and leaders to flourish. Absolutely. Um, so you just mentioned then, and I've I've got a few of your books, but um, so just for, just for the listeners or for those that will download at another time, um, can you just give us a few sort of titles of the books that you've published, or if you're working on anything now as well, if you're allowed to say? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I found I'm always working on something <laughs> because uh, I'm curious. I'm. I'm always curious. So. I'm, uh, uh, I guess that's why I love education, because it's all about learning, and, uh, and my mind is constantly curious. And um, the first book I edited was actually called Coaching and Education, and I hope that tells a lot, because yeah. for my first project, I thought what I'm most curious about, and that's what I, when I write books, I thought what I'm most curious about is how can coaching make a real difference in schools? And um, uh, uh, I wanted to gather together uh, what we know globally, and that's an important aspect for me, Libby, always, is uh, thinking globally and saying, what can we learn from each other? What can we learn from what people are doing in different places? What can people learn from what we're doing? So that initial book called Coaching in Education back in 2012 allowed me to reach out to people, because it's an edited book, I was able to reach out to people who were doing amazing work in coaching and education from Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the United States, and some other parts of the world. So that was my first book. And I think I just thought, wow, it's possible to, to edit a book and, and see it through to publication. And I do love projects like that, Libby, where mm -hmm you can see it through and there's a kind of an end product that those things really give me a buzz when I think especially if you get to see that in in the schools as well like you can physically see the impact perhaps it's having oh, I think that must be really good yeah that that is top level stuff if <laughs> you know actually writing the book is step one but then if anybody says to me oh we saw this chapter in your book and we're doing this in school and these are the outcomes that that's really what it's all about. So that was my my first book, and then um, I've been training people to become coaches for over a decade now. And my second curiosity was, well, what does a person need to know? And I know you were talking about this earlier, Libby, but I was thinking, what does a person need to know in order to be as an as effective a coach as possible? Yeah, and, and that's when I wrote the book called An Introduction to Coaching Skills. That's the best-selling of my books, and it's probably one of the best-selling books because I've provided over 70 video clips of, uh, you know, real coaching clips from coaching sessions because that's some, a lot of feedback I used to get when we're talking about coaching is people would say, 
what does that look like? What does it sound like? Can I have a little kind of glimpse into it? So that was my uh, uh, another book that I wrote. And the final one I'll mention is the one I'm working on now because, again, I'm pretty curious and excited about this as well. This book is another edited book, <clears throat> and it's called From Surviving to Thriving, A Guide for University Students. And, and it's kind of driven by uh, me wondering what happens in education, because I remember primary or elementary schools, we're allowed to have a lot of fun, we're enjoying ourselves, you hear laughter, <laughs> and I'm including the teachers in this as well. People seem to be enjoying themselves. Get to secondary school, it becomes less like we're having fun. It starts to feel a lot like it's all pretty difficult and it's all, you know, it can feel that way sometimes. And yeah. then at university, all this stuff about how stressful it is at university and, and uh, you know, the, the kind of difficulties that people go through. I really wanted to see, can we produce a book that would help to change the narrative to to think about even before we start university thinking how am I going to make the most out of the time that I'm going to spend at university rather than preparing yourself for it's going to be tough and there's going to be tough exams and you know so that book comes out in uh, March 2022. So Brilliant. I'm very excited about that. I, I definitely could have done with something like that before going to university. I, d I don't think I really, um, I don't think I really took university as serious as perhaps I should have, especially, I mean, I, I did fine and I, I came out fine in the end, but I definitely had a few wasted years. Um, <laughs> so perhaps, perhaps a book like that would have, uh, would have uh, helped me out. Um, so what, what in your opinion makes an effective coach? Okay. Now you've asked me a question I, I, I love to think about because, <laughs> um, you know, what, what I'm passionate about is uh, empowering as many people as possible to inspire and support others. So, so uh, that question of what makes an effective coach is an important question. And, and even more, I think there's a link between what makes an effective coach and what makes an effective educator. So I think there's a link. Yeah, there. it, so it sounds to me as well. What makes an effective leader like there, there's a there's a a crossover between some of those characteristics. You're absolutely right. I do think there's a crossover, and and one of the th I'll come back to your question. One of the things that's most um, uh, exciting about coaching and education is uh, something that the Center for the Use of Research and Evidence in Education highlighted about over a decade ago, which was that if you train somebody to be a good coach, no, sorry, if you train somebody to be a coach or mentor, they become better at their uh, professional role. So for example, yeah. if you train a school leader to be a coach, they become an even better leader. If you train a teacher to become a coach, they become a better educator. So that's why I'm interested in this question. And you know, Libby, I've been teaching people to become coaches and I want to do a good job as well. So in my introduction to coaching skills book, uh, the theory that I put forward, which turned out to be wrong later on, but the initial theory <laughs> I put forward was there's three things you need to be an uh, effective coach. One is 
you need to have a certain set of coaching related skills. We all have those skills as, as educators, but they need to be honed for use in coaching. For example, you know, active listening, asking powerful questions, noticing. So there's a set of skills that every coach needs in order to be effective. Then you, uh, uh, I propose that you need to have the ability to manage a conversation. So for mm -hmm. that, conversational frameworks are helpful. Because I often say coaching is a conversation, but it's not just a conversation. It's actually a managed conversation. And the role of the coach is to manage the conversation so that the person being coached uh, does their best thinking. They don't have to worry about how much time have we got. They don't need to worry about where are we in the conversation. They just do their best thinking. So those are two things, set of skills and then a conversational framework. And, and the bit I got wrong was because I, uh, I suggested this was about equal weighting. But the third thing, and I know you're really aware of this, is uh, the idea of this kind of coaching way of being. It's something that Dr. Carl Rogers, leading humanistic psychologist, has written a lot about. But for me, the third part is, is a lot to do with who we are as human beings and how we show up, that kind of the way we are, the way of being. And the bit I got wrong is I think the most significant part, bigger than the other two, is that coaching way of being. That's, that's, it's, it's really helpful to hear, to hear you put it like that as well. Because I think a lot of, a lot of people have recently been asked to be a mentor or a coach um, because we've got all these new frameworks um, mm -hmm. that, have that have come out this year. So if, if you had to give advice to a teacher who's recently been asked to be a coach or to be a mentor for an early careers teacher, what advice would you give them? Yeah. Um, uh, as a coach, I'm, I'm reluctant sometimes to give advice, but as you've asked me, Lippy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can do what you feel comfortable with. Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> um, if I'm, I'm asked, I will share some thoughts about this. So one is um, it's actually to do with that, the idea that some people are selected to be coaches or mentors for others uh, for me, the principle of choice is really at the heart of coaching. So the first part would be, uh, you know, thinking about schools and systems. Um, ideally, we'd be going to uh, colleagues and saying, who, who would like to be a coach or mentor? Mm. So that's, that's the first part. Because, again, I'm interested in the person receiving this. The person receiving the coaching or mentoring is going to be much better served if the person who's doing it wants to be doing it. So Absolutely. That's, that's one yeah. point. The other, and this is advice for the coach or the mentor, um, quite a few ideas here, but one is probably to start by thinking about your intention. What is your intention, whether you're a coach or a mentor, towards the person you're going to be supporting? And really to put that front and center. Now, you, you gave that amazing story about your, your godmother. Um, and uh, I think what really makes coaching powerful is if the person being coached believes that the coach has their best interests at heart. Mm. So if I genuinely believe that my coach or mentor 
wants what's best for me. I'm much more receptive to learning. I'm much more willing to take risks. I'm much more likely to be honest. So I would say to the coach or mentor, first, check that you really want to do this. Secondly, uh, think about what is your positive intention to the person you're going to be supporting because you're going to be a really significant figure in their lives. And that can be a significant positive figure. And there is a risk that you could be a significant negative or demotivating figure if, you know, you don't really want to be there or you're doing mm. it because, uh, you know, you've been told to do it and you haven't got time and all of this stuff. So I think if we start to think of it as a privilege and an honor to say, I'm going to have the opportunity to be part of the growth and development of a, a colleague or somebody else who's entering this uh, uh, profession, I think that's, that's really positive. And the final thing uh, that I, I would say it's worth think, uh, remembering, or maybe for the coach or mentor to ask themselves is, what is the value that I would like to add? And I think a mistake that many of us make, because I started, my first job was as a teacher as well. The, a what, what did you teach? Does that I have interest? English, English literature. Of course, yes. Uh, and then I went on to do a PhD in Elizabethan drama. So you mentioned English and drama before. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so um, one of the things to really reflect on is what does the person being coached, what's going to be of most value to them? And, and sometimes we make the mistake that it's information. We sometimes think, well, the best thing I can do, give them a load of information. I can tell them stuff. I can show them how I do things. And that might be what they want, but I'm sure there's other things they need. And those other things are what coaching is really good at, building self-esteem, mm. building confidence, helping people to find their own motivation, you know, uh, help them unlock their creativity, bring out their playful side. So there's so many things that I, I think that that's a, such an important relationship, the coach and the coachee or the mentor and the mentee. And, you know, uh, just checking in and saying, what's the biggest, uh, what's the most that I can add to this person's growth and development? It's probably a helpful thing to ask oneself. That's a fantastic answer for me. Um, just, just out of interest, I don't know whether this is a really silly thing to ask. Is there a difference between a coach and a mentor or is it just the same word? Uh, no, uh, I would say there probably is a difference. Uh, how, however, there's a lot of overlap and similarity. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, within education settings globally, the words are sometimes used interchangeably. And sometimes mm. people use the word mentor when it would be more like my definition of coaching and coaching more like my definition of mentoring. Ultimately, I say, as long as there's positive conversations happening that are about supporting other people in the way they need to be supported, then that's good. But the way I would uh, split them apart is coaching is actually helping people to come up with their own solutions through asking questions and listening and really putting the coachee in the driving seats of coming up with the ideas and then implementing them. I would say mentoring is a similar supportive conversation, but in mentoring, the, the, the mentor tends to have more experience and, and expertise in whatever it is that the mentee is going to be learning. So I would say that uh, both are supportive conversations. The difference is 
to what extent does the, the coach or mentor share their expertise? And for me in coaching, the mentor or the coach would set aside their expertise and in mentoring, the, the mentor would bring their expertise to bear during the conversations. Fantastic. Um, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but what are the or some of the main barriers to coaching? Yeah. So maybe give some examples of, I don't know, bad characteristics that can be associated with it. Yeah. What are the main barriers to coaching specifically in education? It's something I'm interested in. I currently work for Growth Coaching International. It's a global mm-hmm. coach training provider for the education sector. So these questions are important to us. What are the barriers? And I get to work with schools uh, in all sorts of different places. And one of the, the first barriers is time. People will say... Oh, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I have mentioned a bit, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, and, and I'm at high risk of people saying, well, when was the last time you were teaching in a school, Christian? And I acknowledge that. Um, uh, and and um, the good news is you don't need to have a two-hour or one-hour conversation. Mm. Coaching can be done in small uh, um, chunks. And um, But one thing I want to acknowledge is the perception that we don't have time in school for these conversations is a significant barrier. So um, uh, um, one of the things I often argue is that actually coaching – in the long term can reduce workloads because there's fewer people uh, coming back, let's say to the the school leader uh, on a regular basis to kind of uh, problem solve and coming with problems. So I think uh, bringing coaching into a school culture can actually alleviate some of the workload pressures. So that would be one thing. The other thing is that coaching is misunderstood and and uh, uh, implemented in a way that doesn't have a positive intention. And, uh, you know, coaching should never be used to impose something on, on someone else. For me, coaching is one of the most respectful interactions you can have between professionals because it assumes that the, the person being coached is a professional, which we are. If we're educators, we're professionals. So if coaching is being used, uh, if there's an agenda, in other words, that's not the agenda of the person being coached, I think that can be detrimental. And, you know, I've done coaching in, in school contexts on behalf of the school, and I think we'll all get that because the school leader will come along and say to me, Christian, what did you talk about? How's it going? You know, all of this kind of stuff. For me, for coaching to be powerful, it has to remain confidential. So the person yeah. being coached has to believe that these conversations are confidential. So there are a number of things. And the final thing I'll say, if there's confusion between coaching for the purposes of growth and development, and that's what it's really for. It's, it's a way to help people to enhance their reflective practice. If that is confused with an evaluative inf- intervention, where somebody's going to be evaluated during those conversations, that can be damaging as well. So I think where it works best is if it's voluntary, so people can choose to be coached and people can choose to coach. And it works very effectively, Libby, if it's the educators who identify what 
they want to use coaching in order to achieve. So if it's led by educators and educators are saying, I really want to get better at this, or I want to be promoted, or I want to see how can I use this new pedagogy in my classroom. If it's coming from them, then coaching can be very effective in empowering them mm. to bring those things about. So just 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 to ask, uh, um, I've obviously been been coaching um, because I've been asked to do it by um, sort of head teachers, I suppose. And but then they ask, um, can you share with me the impact of those conversations? Yeah. So what 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 do I say to that? Because obviously you've just you've just said it needs to be you know confidential it shouldn't be about holding them to account because of the yeah. coaching conversation so what, what would your advice be for that uh libby th this happens a lot i know mm. it happens uh, in many places i've heard it happening in the u.s in australia it's happened to me as well you know one question i would have for the person asking me is uh, why are they asking me because you know the coach's role my role is not to evaluate you know, my role is to be non-judgmental and supportive. I would argue that it's the role of the school leaders to do that evaluation. So what I would do in a respectful and a polite way is to invite the, the person who's asking me, the leader, say, well, why did you find out from the, the recipient of the coaching and ask them? And they're the ones who are going to have the most powerful stories. They're the ones who are going to say, it's built my confidence. It's allowed me to manage my workload. I've got a better relationship with my colleagues, whatever it is. And, and that's the curious thing, Libby, about coaching. People want to say, well, what does it actually do? Mm. What it actually does is it helps people to achieve self-selected goals. So it's going to be different for every person. But that's the real strength of coaching is it's, it's the most personalized form of professional development or learning that I can think of. That's that, personally for me. That's really helpful. Thank you so much for, for answering that. Um, so, go back to the beginning. How did you develop your own passion with coaching? Yeah, that's a, a lovely question as well. Um, so, there's a personal side to this and a professional side. The the professional side is, I've always been passionate about education, and I just want to say how much I appreciate all the listeners now <laughs> and or listening to the recording because for me. Education is such a wonderful profession. What a, what, a, what a wonderful profession it is where we can support people to learn, grow, and develop. So my question has always been, how can we support educators to be the best that they can be so that the, the students get the best kind of support that they can receive? And, and so when I first came to the UK, I worked in uh, an education department in local government and I had a role uh, to do with the professional development of educators. And we were doing a lot of these one-day uh, one courses. And these courses weren't having the kind of, uh, weren't leading to changes in the classroom or in the schools. So professionally, it started with a question of what other forms of professional development can lead to greater implementation of strategies in educational settings. And I discovered coaching. On a personal front, um, I, I was uh, made redundant from a, a particular role that I had, and uh, I went to a coach, and I was saying, look, I've been made redundant, I need to, I need to find another job, etc. And that coach asked me, 
what's your heart telling you? And that transformed my professional life because at that moment I was thinking, I just need to get a jo any job. I just need to find another job within the next however long. But it just changed my perspective. And that's when I said, well, I want to dedicate my professional life to coaching and education. And it's allowed me to do that. So I've got evidence personally that coaching can be transformative. But all the work I've done over the more than decade that I've been in this field, I've seen it transform the uh, experiences of both educators, leaders, and for me, importantly, learners. I've seen learners have really outstanding experiences because their teachers are inspired, they're motivated, they're full of uh, energy and enthusiasm. So that's that's why I'm passionate about coaching. And Libby, if if I found research or it became clear to me that coaching wasn't leading to these outcomes, I would stop being passionate about coaching. Mm -hmm. I'd find something else. Uh, what, I, what really drives me is how do we create ideal learning environments in which people can grow and flourish? Absolutely. Um, I, I could I could listen to you all evening, Christian. I have so, so many questions for you as well. Um, I wonder if, um, because we've, we've got Dr. Keith Watson on as well, I wonder if um, we could perhaps do like a second show at some point in the new year. I'd and um, oh, I would absolutely love that because it would be really good to get to get to the research and the theory behind it and to talk about Carl Rogers a little bit more of and um, and to and to really delve a little bit deeper into into this. And I think for me personally, just listening, I mean it's just it's just I've just it's like sitting through C P D this evening. Um <laughs> in, in a very lovely way. Um but I could I can actually input some of the things that I've learned this evening and then we could bring that back into the show as well. So um if, if you wouldn't mind uh, coming back on for part two that that would just be wonderful in the new year it's a deal thank you so much oh, Libby, and thank well, you to have, all your listeners yeah have an absolutely fantastic evening and thank you so much uh, for coming on and, and talking it feels like no time at all but you we've been talking for about 40 minutes <laughs> but it does it doesn't feel like that at all does it no thank you so much Libby no Thank worries. You. Have an absolutely lovely evening. And I'll, I'll speak to you speak soon. To I'll you send you an email. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so that was the wonderful Christian talking like a tiny amount of, of a huge topic that I think um, I would like to unpick more with him as well, because there is a lot of research behind it. Um, you know, it, a lot of the um, research about that personalised, centred approach comes from Carl Rogers, obviously. Um, so it'd be really good to unpick that part of, of the coaching and, and the theory behind it. Um, we're going to hear from Keith Watson in in a bit. I'm just going to um, play the adverts just to just to give everybody sort of a, a mind uh, a mind rest in between. And what what I really like about my show, um, the organisation perhaps of these two guests is that you've got you've got one with so much wealth and experience about the theory and everything and behind and then we've actually got some real practical examples from Keith about what that physically can look like in a school not to say that we couldn't get that from Christian as well but um, Keith has developed his own sort of program um, 
based around the parrot and the shoulder concept. So it'd be really good to ask him some of these questions about how to apply that to a school and, and how that could look across a variety of schools as well, especially, I think, secondary schools for me, because obviously I'm in the secondary education, but absolutely, um, we talk primary here too. So I'm just going to place my adverts and then we're going to introduce Keith and we're going to carry on this this conversation. And for me, I'm finding it, I'm finding it, brilliant because it is a topic that I want to know more about and it is something that I am doing a lot more of in within education so please if you've got any questions text in and I really hope you're enjoying the conversations like I am. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Excellent. Um, so, as I was saying just before the advert break, then um, this evening we are we are talking coaching, and we've just had a wonderful conversation with Christian, um, and we didn't get half half the things. Um, that were on my list, so to speak, because I do love a plan. Um, but sometimes coming off the plan is, as we all know as teachers, one of the best things. So we're going to have a, a round two as well. We're going to continue the conversation with coaching. Um, but right now we're going to hear from Keith Watson, who is on the line. Good evening, Keith. Hello there, Libby. Lovely to be Hello. here. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for giving up your evening and coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And I, I know you've been listening as well and that um, you know Christian, don't you? Mm, yes, yeah, very very much. And um, I'll try not to repeat too much, but certainly philosophically we're, we're, we're very aligned in our thinking. Brilliant. Um, just for the listeners, can you just uh, introduce yourself, your background and, and what you do? Yeah, I've uh, worked um, for 30 years in primary education, mainly in Southampton. Um, latterly as a CEO of a primary trust and head mm -hmm. of a cohort one teaching school. But for a lot of my career, I um, had roles of what we'd probably now call lead for teaching and learning. I was called professional tutor for a long while. And uh, a lot of my work was centered upon coaching um, and that coaching teachers and co teaching techniques and then obviously coaching leaders as well. I now work as a consultant and coach um, and I'm also a personal development coach outside of education. I train mm -hmm. with Animus Coaching Centre 
Um, and uh, which is I really wanted to enhance my coaching skills further. I've done a lot of it in education, but actually wanted to, you know, kind of improve the skill set. And it's been great now to bring those skills back into coaching. Um, you know, um, this afternoon I was working with a school leadership team on coaching, which is great. Tomorrow morning at 9.15, I've got a personal development coach. So it's Lovely. nice to have that balance. Yeah. Um, a lot of my work now as well involves training leaders to be coaches uh, in schools and, you know, different different approaches you could take and sort of programs that uh, that I've developed. And and I'm, I'm going to skip around the questions as well and, and just, just go, go with it if you don't mind. So yeah. the um, the... Because we've just had, we're just coming through a pandemic, we're kind of still in a pandemic. Um, obviously, the cases are very prominent in schools at the moment. Do you think that there is more of a need for a coach around well-being, perhaps, because of what's just happened? Uh, no, because it should have been there in the first place. <laughs> that, that, that's a very good answer, yes. <laughs> no, but I, I, I very much I'd absolutely take your point, Libby. Yeah, uh, it's interesting a lot because... You know, I mean, Christian was making a point, wasn't he? You're coaching the person, you know, mm. and I think there's a lot of fixation of coaching the teacher or keep coaching the teacher on technique. Fundamentally, we're coaching people. And that, that might, you know, sound obvious, but it gets lost. And if you're coaching somebody, you need to build a relationship with that person, rapport with that person. And part of that is thinking about that person's well-being. And I think that's never been more important. It's interesting. I do a lot of coaching ahead teachers. And a lot of that time is just really making or what we call creating space, creating mm. space for head teachers and, you know, school leaders as well. Um, I've been involved in a project called Creating Space where we've been providing free coaching and <laughs> people in education going, I can't believe it. I've got somebody who's going to sit and listen to me. <laughs> um, and of course, that's what coaching can do. Yeah. So I think being there in that sense and, you know, if you're a school leader um, and whether you're a head of department, phase leader or whatever, very hard with time, as you mentioned, Libby, but trying to find time for the people that you work with and then adopting a coaching approach for that can really, I believe, you know, help with their well-being, helps them be a, as a person, which obviously transfers into them doing their job better as well. Um, Christian's just texted in saying, excellent point, uh, coaching the person includes well-being. Yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. Do, well, do you have um, a personal experience at all of somebody who really inspired you um, into coaching or you know when you did you say you yeah. were from a primary primary setting yeah. so primary school so do you have any experiences that you could share with us it really it started with sport um I love sport um when I was 17 I was coaching under 13 football teams handball coach and whatever yeah. so I came originally from a, you know an interest in sport in that way and working with people and you know um developing in that sense but I, I kind of saw early on you, you know why won't these people do exactly what I'm saying? Oh, maybe it's not the right approach. Uh, and actually, you're working with people. And when I became a middle leader, um, I'd had students, as many of the listeners would have done, as well as student teachers. Um, and when I was a middle leader, um, you know, I, I just transferred this notion of almost a sports coach into the work I was doing. Um, rather than sit there on my leadership time filling in forms, I thought, well, I might actually go in the classroom with the teachers and see what on earth's going on with the teaching and all that. And, you know, that, that became a key part of it. So I think I did borrow, I uh, wasn't necessarily any individual sports coaches, but I certainly borrowed from that field. And that was um, massive for me in terms of technique, but also hopefully inspiring and supporting and encouraging. 
there's a lot going on there in terms of that passion for coaching to, to help people. The phrase I always use is, you know, I help people um, to help themselves to get better. Um, Lovely. And that, that's the notion because it stops being just about you. Uh, that's an interesting thing when you become a middle leader and it's, it's less about you. And hang on a minute, <laughs> there's other people here. And actually, the more you can help people around you get better, the cumulative effect is massive. And I think that's what coaching can do. Brilliant. Um, can you explain to the listeners who are live listening now um, what the Parrot on the Shoulder coaching programme is? Because obviously that's, that's something that you've developed. Yeah, it's, just to put it in the context, um, it's, a, it's a small part of the wider repertoire of coaching skills, but it gets a lot of attention from schools yeah. to work with because it's, it's unusual, shall we say. So as I was saying there, actually, about the sports coach working alongside, I just started a system of just going in classrooms, working with teachers in class. So rather, I, I remember coaching and I, I coached him in class and then uh, I saw him after the lesson and I said, how was that? He said, I've been waiting for that for five years. I don't want to know at 12 o'clock what I could have done at 10 o'clock to have improved. I'd rather have known at 10 o'clock. And that's the essence of it, really. In-class professional dialogue about the lesson and the learning and the teaching. Now, mm. it's not – it can occasionally be directing, particularly with a more inexperienced teacher, and sometimes you can model and things like that. But mostly it's a professional dialogue in real time. Most of the time, we, we talk about reflection um, on action afterwards, don't we? Lesson observations, debriefs, yeah. whatever. But if you look at the researcher, Schoen, he talks about reflection in action. Being in the classroom is a really lonely place. Trying to think of everything yourself is tough. If you've got a colleague in there who can have that professional dialogue as the lesson's unfolding, mm. then the coach can help the teacher make sense of the lesson and make decisions about the lesson. Ideally, the lesson gets better. More importantly, longer term, the, the coach gets better. So that's what the parrot on the shoulder is. It comes from a um, – you're far too young to know about this, Libby, but, but there used to be an old drama technique called parrot on the shoulder, and the idea was that when a child maybe – child's in role as Florence Nightingale, and they prepared it in the class, asked them questions in a history lesson or so on. It's a pretty lonely place. So you have a friend behind them who can whisper in their ear and help them along and they can turn to, and it's supportive and, and encouraging mm. and so on. So I just borrowed that term, and I said the coach is like a parrot on the shoulder. Not squawking, not annoying, but actually they're just to help the teacher make sense of the lesson, usually through open questions. You know, what could you do next? What might happen next? How, how do you think this is going? And so on. Um, it's, but I have to say, it's all built on trust. It's all built on the relationship. Mm. You don't just walk in there and say, oh, look, I'm your parent on the shoulder coach today. Off we go. <laughs> it's built in a bigger, wider sense. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's based on, the, you know, that building the rapport such that, a, you know, a teacher, when being coached this way, will, turn, will, will invite <laughs> the conversation and the discussion and so on. That, that's the ultimate that you're after. So when, when you work with head teachers, and obviously you're, you're talking through mm. this, this um method mm. do 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 head teacher because to me this this sounds like a really i mean i mean i obviously do a lot of teaching and learning and i do a lot of um, learning walks observations etc and i'm i'm really thinking about observations in mm. in lessons and things do, do the head teachers take on board your parrot on the shoulder and and use that as an observational thing because observations are supposed to be supportive 
um yes they're yeah. reflected because we, mm. we talk about it afterwards but why don't do head teachers say to you well let's let's use this as an observational platform as well I've just out, just out of interest yeah. I know it can it's be not, I did yeah. I did an awful lot of research for National College back in 2015 mm. and my great friend um uh, Emma and I did some research on it and we or you know we borrowed that phrase from Dylan William of lethal mutation you can get the lethal mutation yeah. where uh, and that's why you know we've been training for schools on this for 10 years and we make sure we get these messages across because in the wrong hands it can go wrong and it can be used for different things uh, and we don't want that you, you heard what Christian said you know when you ask Christian the question about if a head teacher asks for the impact mm. as I'm sitting here going my answer is well go and ask the teacher go and watch the teacher <laughs> you know mm. that uh, you know and he answered the same um it's a don't forget again it's about culture it's about the culture you've got in the school where you're trying to create high levels of professional dialogue where you're trying to get this coaching approach coaching's not a thing that's done on tuesday afternoon at two o'clock because it's in the diary coaching's way being and the best leaders have a variety of skills but they have coaching skills as well and yeah. they can approach so many things through questioning and through listening and it's an interesting thing, isn't it, about that? You mentioned about mentor. You know, the mentor comes from the ancient Greece. You know, you look, look up your ancient Greek mythology there. And, I, did, I did it at UD, Keith. Yeah, no remember the wise, the wise yeah. old guide and all the rest. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that's somebody with more knowledge. And that knowledge can be useful. That can be useful. Mm. But um, a dialogue that promotes thinking by the teacher will likely have more long-term impact. Now, I'm not naive on this. You know, we've got a lot of um, work with instructional coaching at the moment, and I, I welcome that. But remember, that's a very narrow part of coaching we're talking about here. And I think the instructional coaching can be very useful for technique. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a lot more than that. And we've got to allow room and space for the, you know, the, the teacher within that, because... Uh, you know, that's when I feel they'll grow more. But that's that's the dialogue. You mentioned time, didn't you? You know, and it is a difficulty, it is a barrier. But not if it's an ongoing dialogue. Not if when you walk into the school in the morning, yeah. the coach walks in or the, you know, the, if you're a phase leader or head of department, you know, what route do you take to your class in the morning? Well, take a route past one of the other mm. teachers and say, how's your history going at the moment? How's that, how's that unit on ancient Greece going and whatever? And you so have that perhaps I was a bit, a bit harsh on my, myself when I was the head of school as well because I did do that. Like I would, yeah. I would consciously yeah. go go with a cup of coffee and make my cup of yeah. coffee and have, have a chat, walk past their classroom, you know, check in in the morning, talk, talk yeah. to them before. So perhaps, you know, Perhaps we get carried away because we always have to show impact and we get asked to show impact and you get held accountable for the impact of it that you forget that actually coaching is is so much more than that. But, um, but the impact's the quality of teaching that comes with it. How you exactly. get there is different approaches. Yeah. So if you have that conversation in the morning, you might have that. You might, how did, how did that go this morning? At lunchtime, how did that go mm. and whatever? That also reduces the pressure when you go in. Oh, blimey. Libby's is to her coaching. Oh, blimey, whatever. What's this? <laughs> No, I just put Libby. my coaching hat on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, just can you wait a minute? I'm not a coach till two o'clock. It's five to two. It don't happen. Oh, yeah. it's one one two. of my somebody I work with, brilliant deputy head, she said to me once, um, "Every conversation with you is a potential coaching conversation. It's one of the nicest things anybody ever said." Mm. And I think we should look at it that way. You know, we're not always giving answers, and if we can, for we listen, and we form questions, and we help people's thinking. That, that that's that's the approach. 
and some of it might be as I'm saying about parrot on the shoulder, which has had enormous, you know, impact. I've got HMI case studies talking about it and all the rest of it. Yeah. But um, it's part of the bigger package of how you work with people. So how how would you how would you because um, I've been asked to record my coaching conversations yeah. and yeah. Ha- do you have a framework that yeah. is yeah. is there more more to it than that? I mean, I'm not I'm never going to prescribe. This is the way you should do it. Hmm. Uh, I originally started, and I'm talking 20 years ago when I was doing this. Um, it's great instructional coaching here now, but after 20 years, but I, I you know I really I just started writing what I called coaching notes, making sure. They didn't have Austin language. They didn't, you know, I yeah, mean, never say yeah. it was good the way you, because that's got another connotation. So it's things like that. Now, interestingly, we work with an organization called Blue Sky. The Blue Sky is an online system, and you can do lots on there. You do your appraisals, professional development, all kinds of mm-hmm. things on there. But they also had, um, uh, you could type up your lesson observations. When I started to work with them, I said, I don't want, I want that, but I don't, I want a coaching bit. And they said, our program doesn't do this. I said, well, I'm not buying it unless you do it. So they rewrote the program for me, which was nice. And they put in coaching sections for coaching notes. And they're very clear, nice and short. And it would always start with the, you know, um, and I would say good things. You know, it might be pleasing things today or encouraging things. A few bullet points, usually of stuff we've already done, revisiting coaching stuff from before. And then the bottom thing at the uh, the bottom, rather than targets and all of this, it had things to think about. And it might be one or two things there. But nothing would go in that write-up that was not already talked about with the teacher. Excellent, now, what, yeah. what was lovely about that system as well is, um, you, you know, so I could, you know, I could do the less, talk about it, go back, not take long, 10 minutes, get my notes, put them in. But then the teacher's able to respond to that because the way the program works, then they write notes about it or have a dialogue so we can have a little mm. type dialogue backwards. And then a week later they're going, you know, we said last week about that. Well, what I've tried out is this, that and the other. And then you get a whole professional dialogue written as well as obviously spoken. Um, and again, that comes back to the culture thing, I know. But uh, yeah, that's what I found useful. But just getting the tone of it right. Yeah. So it doesn't read like another. I mean, obviously, far less now we have the individual lessons and right observations, and rightly so. But it, it just sort of confirms the professional dialogue you're having. Exactly. And why, and why not? Because a lot of that dialogue is going to be really, really effective, isn't just, it? Sorry, just, just make, I just want to make a point on that. At no point would that be used for performance management. It was clear and distinct that separate. That, that was yeah. going to be my next question. No, absolutely for you. not. Yep. Absolutely not. Brilliant. Um, um, so, just. Going back to the parrot on the shoulder, mm. um, when 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 you're doing that coaching live feedback mm. during a lesson, yeah. um, you mentioned that sometimes using a video recorder to yeah. to yeah. within the sessions is really effective practice. Now, this this is something that I've been looking into um, within my my own um, what I what I have to do when I mm. go to work. Um, and do you have any examples of really good video? Um, technology because this is something I think especially with a new ECT framework Mm. um, and mentors and you know this Mm. whole coaching culture that we we want to get into schools and I think the use of videoing teachers when they teach or Mm. you know just personally just for practice and for their own development is a a real key um, 
real key bit of teaching and learning, perhaps. So do you have any any um, good technological reviews, so to speak, that you well, use? Well, I know there are really good companies like Irish Connect do it and you can pay for that. Uh, we mm-hmm. decided not to go down that route. Um, we, you know, we want to pay £10,000 for a system when we actually stand yeah. in the class and have the dialogue there. You know, it's like we don't exactly. need it. But, but, you know, I know, you know, Irish Connect, I've seen some lovely stuff they do and other companies as well. So, yes, it can be done always in the right hands of course but there's nothing wrong with just an ipad just recording with an ipad and you know we've used it a lot whereby you might record and maybe it's uploaded and people you watch it back later i remember doing stuff with uh, nqts where we'd watch six minutes of 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 recording and and spend an hour dissecting it you know um well that's 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 something that's um really um pushed within the new early careers framework yeah but just you know my concern with the early early career framework and you know it's absolutely what we want i've been working with you know nqt programs for 10 years for teaching school great brilliant want it um, and they produce resources, but we're in a real danger. I think of early career teachers sitting there at ten o'clock at night watching yeah. these videos. Yeah. You know, we we had a thing in our school where we had hundreds of visitors to our school, and we would say, "Well, first of all, key phrase: no tourists," because actually having a skilled coach there to help you reflect is so much better. Yes, you can watch stuff on your own, but watching yourself back and at first, oh, no, look at terrible and what have I worn, <laughs> what have I worn today and what happened to my hair and all that. But let's get over that and my voice and everything. But but we get past that and actually then we really focus on it and it is really powerful. And But yeah, sometimes the, te- you know, the teacher just might watch it themselves. But we even got to the stage whereby a teacher might be, say they're explaining, say they're modelling something, really important skill, they're modelling something or, mm-hmm. and they're going to model something else. Maybe you're in a year four classroom, they've just modelled some math methods, the, the, the students are working on the methods on their whiteboards, the coach has a, a dialogue there and then. Actually, sometimes we, we can literally play back the last minute for them to see how it went and not say a word, just let them watch it and think, oh, I rushed that bit too much, or I didn't, or uh, I've got a blind spot on my left shoulder here because, look, I'm blocking that off and whatever. And it's, right, ready to go again, and they model the next bit. And it's interesting, isn't it? You look at, you look at sports teams again, you know, look at, uh, on the touchline, you know, in, in the premiership. You look at MF, uh, the NFL. I mean, they spend about two days reviewing it, but it's not going to do it on its own, but it's another tool. But, again, I just want to emphasize it's that dialogue, I think, with a coach that can really help with that. Definitely. Uh, can you can you um, talk a little bit more about creating a coaching culture? So obviously, um, I was talking about uh, when I was head of school. Mm. I really wanted to to push that. I'm not sure how much of how much, how far I got with it before I went off and had my many children. You, um, probably, you probably got further than you thought if you kept <laughs> walking you. around talking to people about teaching and oh, learning. Yes. And I don't want to L- say, but that that is part of that's massively part of it. Yeah. Um, remember, and you know, Andy Buck's book on um, leadership matters and on basic coaching, really good yeah. to look at. And Andy Buck talks about culture being how we do things and climate, how it feels. And I think that is a good part about culture. What, what the culture we're looking at, again, is just promoting reflection and teaching and learning all the time. I used to say to my coaches, because I had a team of coaches across trust, and uh, I would meet them every Friday to talk about their work for the week. And my key question all the time was, who got better because of you? Yeah. Who got better because of you? Now, that could be training. It could be different things. But actually, it was what impact were they having across? Because if they were having all these professional dialogues, open questioning, coaching questioning of others, 
that builds momentum and it builds a way of working as well. Um, with a focus on getting better, there's a brilliant book called, by Atul Gawundi called Better. It's written by a surgeon, but it's fantastic to, to read. Um, but it's that notion of just getting better. One of the schools we supported for a year, all I did was talk about better for a year. Forget about Grosse grades and all the rest of it. Just better, better, better. How are we getting better? And, and that adds to a culture of it. So we're, we're trying to take that pressure off of the, you know, the big off their grade and all the rest of it. We're focused on process. And we're focusing on um, talking about teaching to improve teaching. And the coach not coming in all the time with, well, what you need to do in your year five geography or what you need to do in your year six physics is do it this way. That may occasionally be used, but actually I'm curious about it. Tell me about it. How's, how's that group of high retainers going in year 10? Because we've had a few problems. Oh, tell me about that. How's that going? Mm. All the difference in the world between saying, right, I need to see your data about your year 10 higher achievers or high prior retainers and whatever and what we're doing. You flip that to, how's that going then? You, to talk me yeah. through what you're up to. It's, um, it's not a line management conversation, is it? It's, no. it's coaching, so there yeah. needs yeah. to be a huge difference. Yeah, and it's just a way of approaching things and a way of um, uh, speaking about things. So I asked uh, Christian this question, and it would just be really interesting to get to get your opinion on it as well. So, in your opinion, what makes an effective coach? So, oh, you've got what, what Christian a list said. of characteristics. What yeah. No, I think you know. For me, you know, and again, there's you know, there's, there's differences here, aren't there? Because you know, I've been talking about coaching teachers with techniques in classrooms, talking about coaching leaders. Fundamentally, the same, but obviously some different nuances. Coaching for me is a conversation-based approach. To moving yeah. someone from where they are to where they want to be okay so let's not if we unpick that i've said before we need to build rapport so you need to be you, you need to be genuinely interested in the person mm. not just the teacher um it's client-centered um that can be a challenge of course but because we've got these pressures in schools you know of, of, you know of you know exam results and everything else but you're actually there for the teacher so you know what do we say? Obviously, listening skills are so important. The knowledge of teaching is important to a degree. It's interesting. The more coaching I do with head teachers, the knowledge of that is lesser because it's actually the, the listening, the reflecting and so on that's more important. Um, Christian did talk about um, the, sort of co the conversational techniques and whatever. That's been my massive learning in my last year or 18 months because I've retrained whatever, and having a, a wider repertoire of coaching techniques, if you like, I mean, questioning in that, um, uh, that, that's, that can be helpful. And that's just built over time. That's built through practice. What do we talk about all the time? Purposeful practice, don't we? Mm. Uh, it's the same with coaching. Um, it's, it's, it's the same with that. Um, but really, um, you know, okay, so what would you say practical for, for, for the listeners today? Um, work on your listening. <laughs> yeah really listen really listen to what people are saying try not I, I used to play I used to say with my coaches I say oh, okay I've got a challenge for you this week you're not allowed to tell anybody to do anything so actually that would turn everything into a question you know somebody's running down the corridor oh what are we going to do about this that and the other <laughs> well what have you done so far <laughs> well how did that work what else might you can say and it's a really good one to try actually is that, is that how you you yeah. approach the head teachers that you coach Keith? well absolutely <laughs> it's, it's, yeah in a way it's asking questions and you know yeah. um and it's 
just a little bit of putting the ball back in the, the client's court all the time. Back with the teacher. Oh, I can't get these guys in year nine to do this, that, and the other. Um, so talk me through what you've done so far. Boom, 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 boom. Do you find this with other year groups? What's it, what's it like with year... Oh, no, year 10s are great. Because what? Okay. Tell me about why it works well with year 10 then. What, what's happening there? Again, so through questioning as a coach through coaching, you can help them reflect. And the temptation's there to go, well, do this, that, and the other. Yeah, again, might be needed at times. But if we can have that open questioning, I think that's longer lasting as well. And I think, I think both you and Christian have spoken about, you know, the essence of coaching is to empower them, to build mm. their confidence, to mm. listen. I think, I think for me in particular, I'm, I've, I've learned so much this evening. Um, just, just hearing both of you talk about the value of it within a, within a school, um, it's, it's just not. It's not opened my eyes to it. Because obviously, I knew I knew a lot of it before. It so many so many ways, but it's just it's really interesting to talk through and unpick with you this evening. Um, have you got? Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask a question. I don't know how big this will be. So you you um, mentioned in, in a lot of your research and a lot of your your um, your projects that you do obviously most schools now are part of a trust or a mat how how can you develop a coaching culture across a large trust for example yeah i did have to be careful that statistic 52 um, percent of students are now in mats or whatever but obviously you know massively primaries are often not um yes and that and but i think the, the essence with that is it's like everything, everything, so I'm going to go on leadership now, sorry, but anything going to scale can be difficult, difficult and it can be challenging. That's why we've ended up with, you know, again, a really good thing like instructional coaching because of the, 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 the way it's being played out at times is being quite, um, you know, regimental in it. And that happens, you know, when, when programs happen sometimes. And that is a real challenge across. What I'd, what I'd say is you're looking at, um, you know, I was operating across even very small, but looking at four schools and across four schools. And we had um, often assistant heads, maybe deputy heads as lead coaches. They were trained and trained and trained, though. You know, they they had to meet me once a week to reflect on everything they did. I approached it like master's level, you know, reflection. You have to skill those people up who can then skill other people up to it. You also have to have an acceptance that, you know, has to come from, are you behind this or not? If the senior leadership don't get it, if the senior leadership don't understand it or see it as a performance tool, you're going to struggle with it. You are. Mm. Um, however, that's not to say you can't make gains within it. But ideally, it becomes, again, a, a way of being, uh, a way of working, and all of the staff need training on that and an understanding of it. When I go and work with a school... One of the first things I'd do is a, a staff meeting, a professional development meeting with a school for an hour, and with all the staff there, we'll explain what coaching is. And that is fundamental to understand it as a starting point, I think. Um, that's not to say individual coaches can't do very well, you know, within a, a wider organisation. It's just really interesting to hear. Um, sorry, my brain is ticking because... I've just um, I, obviously I work in I work in a in a mat as well, mm. and I think I think it has to be really personalised for that school and for mm. those individuals. Um, and as you said, you're in a danger within within a trust or a mat of it becoming quite 
formulaic, which mm. is absolutely not what coaching is about at all, is yeah. it? No, no, you're there. I keep using this. I know I keep using the word. Maybe it kind of sounds like I'm coming from outside of education, but client-centered. Um, I'll go to a teacher and I'll say, what do you want to work on today? And that's a fundamental difference from tell me your performance management target again, because mm. we need to look at that. Um, and, if, and I know that might sound to some of the listeners a little bit naive, but and I was fortunate. I was a CEO of trust. I could do that. <laughs> but... Um, I think that's fundamental because actually you're saying you're genuinely, again, curious and interested in what they want to develop or what they want to get better at. Um, and that, that's where the personalization then comes in that we're talking about. Because mm. actually, what does it mean for that teacher in that classroom? You know, what, what is the issue in there? Because it might be different from the classroom next door. Um, and that is a difficult thing, as you rightly point out, be sometimes you might have whole trust initiatives you're working on, which are important. But what does that mean for that year 10 humanities teacher or that year, year R teacher or whatever? Exactly. And I think I think we've picked up on quite a lot of this this evening, especially um, with Christian and obviously the way that you've you've um, answered some of the questions. But what what for you are some of the common barriers associated with coaching in the school? Um, we know budget's an issue and it's not an excuse, but, you know, 9 percent cuts in 10 years or whatever. What, what I actually see is and the city of my own schools as well, more and more. Because we're asked to do more and more, you know, whatever that be, um, senior lead, you know, we'll have new mental health leads in every school. No, we mm. won't. We'll have, we'll give that to the inclusions leader or whoever, and we'll just give that person an extra job. Because more and more of those senior leaders have more and more jobs. Guess what? They're struggling to also do these other things uh, like coaching. And part of that's budget because you can't pay for more people or whatever. I think a real issue is rushed and simplistic training. Um, again, ECT, you know, fantastic, exactly what we want or whatever. But, you know, half an hour, half an, you know, half a day of training on mentoring is just not enough, is it? I know some places are, are doing it far better than that. Um, and we need to invest time if we want to do it well. Um, so budget, yeah, rushed, time. And also, of course, a high accountability system that wants immediate results. And actually, sometimes the coaching thing can take longer. You can have quick wins. Of course, you can. But actually, just sometimes, just slow down one bit at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> how are we going to improve the classroom teaching here? Well, let's do this bit. Then let's do this bit. Then let's do this bit. Rather than have 14 targets to work on. So I think, I think it's hard, but it's also about them making protected time for that. So if Libby is supposed to go and teach, you know, coach in the history department that afternoon and she's walking down a corridor and some crisis happens somewhere, no way in the world does she get pulled to cover another class or to do whatever. She goes in there and coaches that teacher. And, you know, that's hard. That's hard. But I think that's that, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, it's just it's just so difficult, isn't it, in day to day running of a school. But I think you also mentioned that coaching is not just about having that that structure of time is it coaching happens yeah. all the time throughout the day and that can happen within a five minute conversation yeah. at the beginning of the day or you know in, in the corridors as well so mm. so don't be so hard if, if you had to miss it miss a session it, it's not going to have a huge negative impact on that person no, if you're you doing are, it you've you created the right the message there though libby you are sending a message there if you don't watch it because you're oh, absolutely, saying something absolutely. else was more important and that's a hard thing, but I think that, you know, we talked about culture, didn't we? So mm. if we're saying a culture, teaching learning is the most important thing in our school, coaching is massive to that. That's what we'll try and prioritise. 
And, you know, that does send a message to staff, I think. It's hard. It's tough. It's hard. Um, but you're absolutely right in terms of just the wider professional dialogue all the time. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving up your evening and coming no to speak problem. to us. Mm. No, it was, it was absolutely brilliant for me. And I hope the listeners got as much out of it um, as I did. Okay. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, brilliant. What wonderful guests that um, I had on. Very lucky, actually. I mean, as I said, I did this show quite personally because obviously I wanted to find out more about coaching. Um, and when you put on a show on the radio, I mean, I don't know how other hosts do it, but I put a lot of research and time into it because obviously I want I want it to go as well as, as you want it to go. So for me, just just listening to those two experts and listening to the wonderful Christian that we listened to first, and then obviously um, Keith and their ideas and the theory and how much passion they have for for coaching as a culture to be developed within a school. And I, I completely agree with absolutely everything they said. Um, and I hope you've learned as much from them as I have this evening as well. And as I said, we're going to do round two on it. So what what would be really helpful um, and useful is if you do have any questions, obviously put it on Twitter. We can uh, we can um, we can then uh, feed that into the show and the planning for it next time. So I've just had a few texts in saying really enjoyed the show. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. I enjoyed the show too. Not because I'm hosting, but obviously the guests make the show, and that was that was absolutely fantastic. Um, Christian, again, thank you very much. Um, and Mal said Christian is a legend. That's that's lovely feedback there too. Um, it's just it's just a, a really interesting topic, isn't it? And I think it's so relevant in schools and education and. And as Christian and um, uh, I think uh, Keith said at the very beginning, it shouldn't just be the last couple of years that have, have made the leaders in, in your in your school realise, oh, we need to get some coaching in. It's not a fad. It should absolutely have been something that was there and developed beforehand because it's about the person. It's about the individual. It's about empowering that individual through one-to-one conversations that have an, an effect and an impact. And that impact, obviously, is going to be about the pupils and the pupil outcomes as well and how and what their diet's like in the school. So it, it, for me, has been a really, really fantastic, interesting show. And thank you so much for everybody who's been involved in it. And thank you so much for listening. Um, and please, please, please text it into the show or tweet me at Libby Isaac, because um, we're going to do a follow-up show as well in the new year. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful week and you've only got three days left um, if you're on half term next week. Obviously, if you're on half term this week or you've got two weeks half term please relax and please enjoy it recharge those batteries ready for that slog before christmas which is a wonderful time of year but it's um it's very difficult when you're in the education setting as well um so have a wonderful evening whatever you do and thank you very much for listening you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.